Ah, yes, the meaning of love. Well, good morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, <laughs> uh, I, okay, just because I have to do it, uh, how many Chiefs fans? Yeah, three? Okay, how many E4? How many Eagles fans? <laughs> There's an awful lot of green in here though this morning, so I'm going to take it that you all wearing green are Eagles fans. So anyway, um, I purpose or personally couldn't care less. I don't know if there's a way for both teams to lose. Hey, let's let's let that happen. But anyway, um, thank you, Drake, for the uh, uh, stump the pastor. I'm going to say that that's kind of two months in a row. <laughs> He's going to ban the Carlsons from bringing stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, so as Drake alluded to and Carrie alluded to earlier, this Tuesday is, what? Valentine's Day. Um, so let's talk a little bit, since it's love that we're talking about this morning, Valentine's Day. And uh, uh, raise your hand if you know how Valentine's Day started. Okay. For those of you that don't know, Valentine's Day was started by the Hallmark Card Company. Why? So they could sell stuff. Had nothing to do with love other than the love of making money. That was it. They have been very successful, though, in convincing us that it was something special. And it can be. It can be something special if we choose to make it that, all right? But unfortunately, all too often, Valentine's Day is all about things, buying more stuff. Guys, you better buy that perfect jewelry for your wife or girlfriend or whoever it is, or you're going to be in trouble, and uh, you better get the right candy or roses or something, you know, and that's what it's all about, is about money. So it brings up the question then for us, do we love things or do we love people? Now, that could maybe that seems like a bit of an asinine question this morning, but I want you to think about that a little bit before you answer. Because the real answer to that question may be different than you hope it is. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's open up in prayer. Pray with me if you would. Almighty God, we come into your presence so aware of our human frailties, and yet we are overwhelmed by your love for us. We thank you that there's no human experience that we might walk through where your love cannot reach us. If we climb the highest mountain, you're there. Yet if we find ourselves in the darkest valley of life, you're also there. So teach us today, Lord, to love you more and help us to rest in that love that asks nothing more than the simple, trusting heart of a child. Jesus loves me, this I know. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 
All right, our core verse this morning comes from the book of Matthew in chapter 5, and it's verse 17, and just for reference, I'll be using the NIV version this morning for all of the uh, uh, verses that we use. All right, chapter 5, verse 17 says, these are the words of Jesus, by the way, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. The words of Jesus. So, having read that, what about love? What does this verse have to do with love? He didn't talk about love in there. He talked about the law. He talked about the prophets. What is Jesus trying to tell us in this verse about love? Well, very simply, what he's reminding us of is that God's moral and ceremonial laws were given to help you and me to love God with all of our hearts and minds and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God didn't give us His law because He's some kind of harsh slave driver or, or a mean parent who just wants to take all the fun out of life, but rather to know how to love Him and in turn to love others. In fact, think about this. As the video talked about, He loves us so much that He came and died in our place and took our judgment upon Himself. Now that, my friends, is true love. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Absolutely. Of course, you know Jesus was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? And, or law. So let's look at what His answer was in Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but he didn't stop there. He went on to say, and the second is like it. Love, And that means just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to give us the right understanding of why they were given to us. Why was the law, the Ten Commandments, first of all, given to us? It's all about love. It really is. Loving God and loving others. Is that me? Getting hung up on my beard. You see, the Ten Commandments are not a list of rules designed to, again, take the fun out of life. But rather, they are a roadmap to show us how to truly love God and to love others the way we were designed to be, which then brings true fulfillment and joy in this life. And let me ask you, show of hands, how many of you would like to experience true fulfillment and joy in life? Hopefully everyone's raising their hands. If not, we need to have a different conversation. So let's put some action into this uh, newfound knowledge about love. At the beginning of the message, I asked you to consider, do you love things? 
So the next question then is, what kinds of things, John? What are you talking about? Well, maybe it's things like, oh, I don't know, beautiful church buildings. Maybe it's things like a fancy house. Maybe it's things like having a brand new car or, or brand name clothing. Maybe it's things like having power and prestige. Me, personally, I love some good southern fried chicken. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. In fact, I'm kind of getting hungry for it right now. Have you ever had Popeye's chicken? Yeah. What's their, uh, their uh, slogan? Is, uh, I, what is it? I love that chicken. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, true story. <laughs> There's just something special about good old southern fried chicken and mashed taters and some green beans and red beans and rice. Amen. <laughs> so, but let me get back to something serious here. What do all those things that I mentioned have in common? Well, all of those things are about me, what I want what will make me maybe look good to other people that I may be trying to impress. In other words, they can become selfish idols that I've set up in my life to benefit me because I think they will make me happy. But going back to the words of Jesus, I don't see anything at all in the words of Jesus about loving a church building. But I see a whole lot about loving the church. Catch the difference. A church building is what? A thing. It's just a building. The church is people. Jesus says, love people, not things. You see, we get it backwards sometimes. We start using people to get more things because we love those things. So we use people and love things. We need to flip that around. In God's economy, that's exactly backwards. We love people and use things. Let's make sure we keep that in the right place. Now, let me make sure that we have complete understanding here. There's nothing wrong with having a nice church building. I am very thankful for this building. Very thankful. It's a great place to come to. Absolutely unless it becomes a hurdle or a stumbling block to loving people. When we get so wrapped up in making sure that we're taking care of the building that we forget to take care of people. The building needs to go away then because it's a stumbling block. Remember that little skit last week? Debbie and Penny and Don back there and Jesse uh, were up here doing that little skit and that skit was about remembering that no matter who the person is, they're worthy. Sometimes we forget or choose not even to recognize that every single person has been created intentionally by God for Him to love and for them to love Him and love others. You were made intentionally for two purposes, to love God and to love others. 
So what is it then that people need in order to feel loved? And that's where I want to spend the rest of our time today. What is it that you and I need in order to know that we are loved? Well, first of all, we need to know that we're understood. We need to know that people, somebody understands us. That we're worthy of someone taking the time and the energy to learn about us. To understand us. I need to know that someone cares enough about me to really try to understand me. That's why Jesus came to earth in human form. You see, He loved you so much that He wanted to identify completely with you and walk with you in your experience so that He could completely understand you. Then and only then could He give His life so that you and I could truly live for all eternity. Coming back to our message title, religious people love things, spiritual people love people. I have a story I want to share with you. I've used this story before, so if you've heard it, uh, I apologize, but I think it accurately reflects the point here this morning that I'm trying to make. There was a farmer who um, painted a sign advertising some newborn puppies that he had to give away. And he was nailing that sign to a post at the edge of his property. And um, as he was driving the last nail into the post, he felt a tug on his overalls. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he looked down into the eyes of this little boy and the little boy said, Sir, can I have a puppy? The farmer said, Sure. And with that, he let out a whistle and he said, Here, Dolly. And out came the mama dog, Dolly, with these four little bundles of fur following along behind her out of the barn. The little boy pressed his face against the chain link fence there and his eyes dancing with delight watching these puppies come. And as these puppies were making their way over to the fence, the little boy noticed something else stirring in the barn there. And slowly another little ball appeared. This one noticeably smaller than the others. In a, in a somewhat awkward manner, this little puppy began hobbling toward the others, doing its best to try to catch up, but it was clearly the runt of the litter. The little boy pointed at that runt and he said, Mister, I want that one. And the farmer, kind of confused, he, he knelt down to the little boy and he said, Son, you don't want that puppy. He'll never be able to run and play with you like these other dogs would. And with that, the little boy stepped back from the fence. He reached down and he began rolling up the uh, leg of his trousers. And in doing so, he revealed a steel brace running down both sides of his leg and attaching to a specially made boot. And looking back up at the farmer, he said, You see, sir, I don't run too well myself. And that little puppy's going to need someone who understands. We all need to know that someone is actively and intentionally striving to understand us. 
We need to know that someone loves us with no ulterior motive other than sharing God's goodness with us. We need to understand that with understanding comes love. Or, let's turn it around, with love, true love comes understanding. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 and 8. These are the words of the Apostle John. And he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know love because, and please pay attention to these three words, God is love. Now, I think we can all agree that love's important, right? But we also need to understand what love really is. Most think of love as a feeling. But in reality, love is a choice. It's an action. It's an emotion that we can choose to use. And when we purposely choose to love and understand someone else, we're living out the words of that passage we just read. Those last three words, God is love. It doesn't say love is God. God is love. Unfortunately, our fallen world has kind of flipped that around and contaminated our understanding of love to where love to us is that, that feeling of butterflies. And as soon as those butterflies are gone, love is gone. Well, that wasn't love. That was lust. Let's make sure we get that right. Love is an emotion. And with emotion, we have choice. The world thinks that love is what makes a person feel good. No matter what morals or principles you may have to uh, break and sacrifice to have that feeling. That's not love. That's selfishness. But if we truly know God, we will love and we'll seek to understand others as He does from His perspective. You know, if you've been around here for a while, you've probably heard we have uh, five expectations, five values that we live by here. And the first one of those is it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the bigger picture. And what is the bigger picture? That's God's perspective. You see, it's not about my perspective. It's not about your perspective. It's about God's perspective. And we come into alignment with God's perspective. That's called love. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus faced everything we could possibly ever face. That's why he came. Including temptation. So He can truly understand us. He can empathize with us. And since we're connected to Him, we can do the same thing by loving and understanding or empathizing with other people. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter. You knew I was going to have to go here for Valentine's Day, right? Got to go to the love chapter. Beginning at verse 4, it says, the Apostle Paul says, Love is patient 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And finally, verse 7, It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You see, friends, our job is to love others without ever stopping to even inquire whether that other person is worthy of it or not. Because we're not the ones who can make that judgment. God didn't call us to judge whether our neighbor is worthy of us loving them or not. He said, love your neighbor. Pretty clear, isn't it? He didn't leave much wiggle room there. He said, love your neighbor. I saw a quote this week as I was preparing for this message, and I, I'm sorry, I have no idea who said this. I would love to attribute it, but I don't know who it was that said it. But here's what it says. Run after the hurting. Go after the broken, the addicted, those that have messed up, that society has written off. Go after them with love, with mercy, with the goodness of God. Love your neighbor. There was a Harvard study, 7,000 people in this study. It's, uh, the study found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those who had strong relationships. And reporting on this study, Pastor John Ortberg, if you've ever heard of him, he wrote, quote, people who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> oh. You know, and that's physically. But let me say, what is true physically is also true spiritually. Okay, It's just as true. If we want to maintain a healthy, lifelong walk with Christ, we need community. And where do we find community? It's called the church. So when you isolate yourself, draw away from the church, step away It's just me and God, as you've heard Drake say so many times. Then we're talking about that more likely to die spiritually. Okay? That's eating broccoli alone. Come to church, let's eat Twinkies. Well, we don't have Twinkies, but we do have donuts, so that's pretty close. To stay faithful, we must stay connected. And that's why God gave us the church. place where we can be understood and loved. And that leads us to the second point this morning. And that is the vital importance of security that comes from togetherness. Security that comes from togetherness. Look at Colossians 3.14. The Apostle Paul says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
You see, folks, we need to come together to have security. Let's think about a, uh, a flock of sheep. If there's a flock of sheep and one wanders off all by itself and the wolf comes along, who is he going after? He's going to go after that one. That's all by himself, isolated. There's no security there. Because he's not together with the flock where there is security. It's kind of like building a wall, a brick wall. And you just start piling bricks up and you've got, it looks like a wall, right? But there's no mortar in between the bricks. That's love. What happens when the first big wind comes along? Bind it all together with love. In order to feel true security, we must unite in togetherness and use love as the binding agent. All other things will pass away. As the Apostle Paul said, only these three remain. Faith, hope, and what? And what's the greatest of those, he says? Love. Absolutely. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. That's togetherness. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now let me make sure you understand, this doesn't mean that we have to be robots who just, um, yes, I believe, I agree. No, we still have our own opinions. We still have our own thoughts. We still have our own feelings and emotions. However, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the bigger picture. So we become we come together in the perspective of God, bring all of our unique talents and gifts and abilities, meld them together. There's that word again. Together. And we find security. We in love seek to understand each other, which then makes being together a safe place where we can truly find security. But it starts with the understanding. 2 Corinthians 13.11 Again, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice! I love that word. Rejoice! Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let me say this about that. Love others so radically that they wonder why. Let me say that again. Love others so radically that they wonder why. Why do you love me like that? Why would you serve me like that? How many of you um, like peanuts? Not the food, but the cartoon. Charlie Brown and... Okay. There was a peanuts cartoon one time that I saw. It showed Peppermint Patty talking to Charlie Brown um, and she said, guess what, Chuck? First day of school and I got sent to the principal's office and it's your fault, Chuck. And Charlie Brown's like, my fault? How could it be my fault? Why do you say everything is my fault? And she declared, you're my friend, aren't you, Chuck? Then you should have been a better influence on me. And that brings me to our final point here today. We need to know that we have significance. We need to understand that we can have influence on others as they have influence on us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 29. 
the words of Jesus. If you have a Bible with uh, the red words in it, these would be red. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now in this, Jesus said, God is very aware of everything that happens, even to sparrows, and you are far more valuable than they are. You're so valuable, so significant to God that He sent His only Son to die for you. Please understand the significance of that. Matthew 5.16, going back to last week. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine, people. Let your light shine. Let your light of significance shine. Because your light is the light of significance. You sharing the fact that you're significant because God created you and helping others to understand that they are significant too. That's the influence you have on them. To help them see how significant they are and how they can have influence then on others to understand how significant they are. Be the beacon on the hill that the lost are so desperately looking for. Be the reason, catch this please, if you don't get anything else today, take this with you. Be the reason that someone meets Jesus. Be the reason someone meets Jesus. How much more significant could you tell someone they are than to have the influence on them to meet Jesus? Genesis 1.27 So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them Male and female, He created them. Always remember, people, that God created you as the pinnacle of His creation. And that, my friends, is very significant. Please understand that. So the reason we love people rather than things, going back to our message title, Religious people love things. Spiritual people love people. The reason we love people rather than things is because God first loved us. So let's love each other through understanding each other. Let's provide security by standing and walking together. Let's remember that each person is significant in God's eyes and let, let's be the influence that leads them to Christ where they will find fulfillment and joy in His goodness. Not in Elevating Life Church. Not in a life group. That's not where you find fulfillment and joy. You find fulfillment and joy in God. Those other things are meant to lead you there. I want to leave you with one more quote. And again, this is an anonymous quote. Um, I don't know who said it, but I like it. It says, Don't wait for other people to be loving, giving, compassionate, grateful, 
forgiving, generous, or friendly, lead the way. Lead the way. Be the reason someone meets Jesus today. And that's today's message. Religious people love things. Spiritual people love people. And with that, I'll say, Amen.